AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Hey, everyone. Homes.com knows having the right agent can make or break your home search. That's why they provide home shoppers with an agent directory that gives you a detailed look at each agent's experience, like the number of closed sales in a specific neighborhood, average price range, and more. It lets you easily connect with all the agents in the area you're searching so you can find the right agent with the right experience and ultimately the right home for you. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. With me, as always, is Charles W. Bryant. Sounded like a nursery rhyme. It did. It was. It's a new one. (laughs) How's it going, Chuck? Oh, you know, dude. It's Friday. We're all ready to... uh, Trip the Light Fantastic this weekend. Do you know that means dance, right? Uh, yeah, I don't dance. I don't either. Paint the town brown. Red. Well, I'm a a ween fan, so you paint the town brown. What is the name of the god that ween worship that tells him to get wasted? The Bugnish. Is that what it is? Well, that's their little symbol, the little guy with the spiky hair. Right, but there's like a god that they listen to. It commands them to just get wasted. I that. Yeah. Uh, How about this? Listeners, what is the name <laughs> of the god that Ween answered to? Yeah, God Ween Satan was the name of their first album. Yeah, no. So, no. Yeah. So, uh, Chuck. Yes. I could go for a Sloppy Joe right now. Mm, man, I haven't had a Sloppy Joe since I was a kid. You haven't? Mm-mm. You poor bastard. Like the the manwich kind? The Any old kind. school? It's sloppy Joe. It's like barbecue sauce and ketchup with some ground beef on a bun. Yeah. Does it get better than that? Not since my mom was like cooking for me as a kid have I had a sloppy Joe. I've never made one myself. Let me give you a little a little secret here. Okay. Sloppy Joe. Mm-hmm. Fish taco. A sloppy Josh. Yeah. <laughs> not yet. We, we're not out of work yet. Um, insert fish taco into sloppy Joe and thank me in the morning. Wait, put a fish taco... In the sandwich itself, mm-hmm. yes, with the beef and everything. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's the weirdest thing I've ever heard. Honestly. Well, just try it. And let me okay. know what you think. Sure, I, love I guarantee fish tacos. that after you have a fish taco sloppy Joe, <laughs> you will end up with a food craving for it at some point. In time. Wow, yeah, that's a great setup. Thanks, buddy. Food cravings. Food cravings. That's what we're talking about, right? <laughs> you think? That's what I prepared for. Yeah, same here. So, Chuck, um, you've had a food craving, right? If so. You're part of the 70% of males in North America who've had one in the last year. I found that to be staggering. I thought everyone has had a food craving mm-hmm. like once a week. Yeah, the stat on uh, women was much more, um, I guess, in, in my wheelhouse, right? Yeah, 100%. 
Hundred percent. But what thirty percent of men don't have a craving in a year? Just like who are these jerks dudes? who are like, I'm not answering that question. I'm going jogging. It's a hundred percent. You and I both know that. Everybody knows that. <laughs> right. Everybody's had a food craving in the last year. Well, that's what I couldn't determine if it was an actual classifiable food craving or just like, oh, I'm hungry for a burger. Or maybe they thought that slim jims don't count. That's that accounts <laughs> for that thirty percent. Right. There. That's a good point. Slim jims aren't food. They're slim jims. <laughs> that's a good one. Uh, yeah, Josh, 70% say yes, and women all say yes, and women in North America and Europe particularly like the sweet stuff. Yeah, I think chocolate's the most highly reported sure. um, food craving yes, no of secret. women in North America. We need to specify. Right. Because it appears that um, food cravings are also culturally specific. Yeah. So women in North America like the chocolate, but say women in Egypt... Like, let's say, a meat-stuffed eggplant. <laughs> That's pretty specific, isn't Kristen it? Kristen Conger wrote this, and it's a great article, but I love that she actually said that. They will crave a meat-stuffed eggplant. Which actually sounds kind of good. And well, I'm sure. not even hip on eggplant, but I would eat that. Stuff anything you know why? with meat. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> You're down with you it. Wrap it in bacon, <laughs> stuff it with meat, um, or put a fish taco on it, I'll <laughs> eat it. Even a milk steak? Sure. Mm. Although I've just recently found out what that is. Was I right? I is believe so, yeah. We haven't gotten any corrections, so okay. I assume so. That's because no one from the uh, 19th century is still around <laughs> that can correct us. So, Chuck, um, actually food cravings, we talk about how they're different in North America and in Egypt, for example. Sure. They're, they're, they appear to be universal, however. Right. While the food craving may differ, uh, or the food that is craved may differ, sure. the food craving is, is pretty much a universal human trait. Because we all have a brain. Uh, well, let's talk about – there's two different kinds. There's a stomach craving, mm-hmm. which accounts for hunger. Sure. And then there's a food craving, which we'll get to in a minute. Right. It's like all mental. Right. You have to have a brain, right? Yes, yes. Actually, you have to have a brain for both. But let's talk about like regular old hunger. Like what is that, dude? That is the stomach telling the brain by way of the uh, – is it vagus or vagus? I think vagus. Vagus nerve. Yeah. Uh, basically saying, uh, I'm hungry – I need food to live, so feed me. <laughs> right. You know? It's pretty much as simple as that. It is. Uh, and this uh, hormone ghrelin, which has made an appearance uh, incorrectly in a previous podcast. Did we get something remember. wrong? I said ghrelin um, tells your stomach or tells your brain that you're not hungry any longer. Actually, it does the opposite. Oh. It, it, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm an idiot. It's a, it's a hormone that is actually um, emitted by fat tissue. Right. And it travels up the vagus nerve. To the hypothalamus and says, "Dude, I'm I'm hungry." Right, and it trigger it's triggered when your uh, blood sugar and insulin levels start to uh, decline. Right, which is just awesome. I love the human body. I think it's like about as fascinating as it gets. Yeah, I like the brain in particular, and I think articles like this, everyone knows how much we love the brain and studying the brain. But yeah, look for a uh, an audio book on the brain from Chuck and I in 2010. Little spoiler Whee! teaser, uh, but it always amazes me that the the brain is so complex, and then the rest of the body is almost like just a big, dumb, functioning group of organs compared to the brain. Compared to the, well, yeah. But, I mean, that's like comparing like but a- But they all um, work together. An 88 Dodge Colt to like, you know- <laughs> um, A Bugatti? A Bugatti. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. So, uh, okay, so the uh, ghrelin travels up the vagus nerve, mm-hmm. hits the hypothalamus, which the hypothalamus also provides some other- uh, um, Function management, like sex drive, thirst, 
Sleep. Uh, sleep, yeah. Things, we it's, like it's the hypothalamus. Pretty, it's pretty smart. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's the party part of the brain, right? Right. Um, so the hypothalamus says, all right, we're hungry, and uh, we're going to release neuropeptide Y. Right. And this it makes just, us hungry. Well, right. It stimulates our appetites, mm-hmm. right? Um, so what ha- we eat. Yes. We're eating the sloppy Joe fish taco yes. combo. And as we eat, something else starts to happen because... It just can't keep on like this, or you would just keep eating and eating and eating. So your body has to do the reverse almost and say, you can stop eating now. Right. And it does this by, um, in a couple of ways. The first things that happens is uh, fat tissues expel leptin. And son of a gun, I am never going to get ghrelin. Ghrelin is released from in the stomach. Leptin is released in the fat tissues. Oh, did you say ghrelin? I did. Oh. I did. I'm just a big, dumb animal. Well, so hold your emails, folks. We will get this all right by the end of this thing. Maybe. Okay. I hate growing. So uh, leptin uh, gets going and tells our brain basically that, hey, you're satisfied. You're you're not hungry anymore. You're satiated. You do not need to keep eating. Right. But this doesn't take place like immediately. No. Um, and actually, my half Okinawan girlfriend taught me that the Japanese have a little rule of thumb called hara hachibo. Ah, nice. Thanks, buddy. What's Thank that you. mean? Uh, it means basically um, stop when you feel about 80% full. And yeah. it works like a charm, actually. Well, you don't see a, a lot of obese Asian people. Not too many. And they live forever, too. Yeah. yeah. We should follow that, that model. So uh, leptin actually does this by uh, turning down the production of the neuropeptide Y and cranking up the production of uh, pro-opio-melanocortin. I was hoping you'd take that one. That yeah. was an excellent pronunciation, buddy. I had to literally <laughs> sound it out and spell it out very like a child would. Yeah. But it worked. Yeah. And that is an appetite suppressant in the bloodstream. So that basically says uh, mon- uh, the, the hypothalamus monitors the insulin and blood sugar, and then everyone's happy. We're eating. We're satisfied. We're full. Right. So there, there you go. We're alive, right? Yes. So that accounts for normal hunger, right? That actually does begin in the stomach, crazy enough. Right. That's how you have hunger, and that's how your brain tells you that you're not hungry. But that doesn't account for food cravings. Food cravings are pretty much all mental, or at the very right. least, they're all brain-centric, right? Yeah, and it's not, hey, I uh, need to eat to stay alive. It's, hey, I really, really want that sloppy joe. Right. With the fish taco. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. But. That's mind hunger that you're talking about. Yeah. Which accounts for the craving. Right. And one of the reasons um, that it's, it's, I guess, worth writing an article about, researching and podcasting, is that it's kind of curious. It's a little bit of a mystery because they're not really essential for survival. Uh, there was there, I actually thought this for a very long time and probably will continue to do so because I don't give up my views very easily. <laughs> right. um, but I, I tended to think that food cravings... Uh, where the body's way of saying, um, you need more iron, so you really, really want a steak right now. Debunked. The, whatever. Debunked. I don't care. It's a good way to live life, <laughs> and I'm going to live it like that. Yeah, but scientists have largely uh, debunked that, basically, saying it's really not your, it's not you saying that, oh, I need a, a particular nutrient to keep me healthy. Right, and one of the reasons why it was debunked was because most food cravings are for really rich, fatty foods. High in calories. And do you know why we crave those, Josh? Why? Because they are loaded with uh, chemicals called opioids. That is true. And op- this is a this is a depressing moment for me, by the way. Like I've <laughs> lived like this for years. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Uh, op- opioids. What they do? They bind to your receptors in the brain, and they bring you the like feel good feelings. They do actually. Um, the 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 same process is followed for um, drugs. You yeah. Do drugs. 
it, it actually follows the same, um, I guess, mental process or brain process. neural pathway. Excellent, Chuck. <laughs> Thank you. I was flailing there. Um, that that uh, drugs do, right? Yeah, I thought that was interesting. So you've got you've got let's let's just use chocolate. It's just so easy. Yeah, it's a good go-to. So you uh, you you eat a little chocolate. Let's say it's the first time, and uh, the the opioids that are released. Um, actually form part of your memory of eating chocolate. Right. You have a, a sensory memory that is very, very pleasant associated with eating chocolate. Sure. It gets filed away uh, by what part, Chuck? Uh, is that the hippocampus? Is it that is. Is that what this is filing? Yes, it is. Okay. Uh, it it uh, sorts sensory data and uh, puts it into long-term or short-term memory. Right. Um, and when we see chocolate again, we say, oh, yeah, chocolate. That makes me feel pretty good. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. So there's there's one aspect of the craving. It's psychological based on long-term memory. Right. And it also uh, stimulates the uh, caudate nucleus. Sure. And um, basically that helps control the dopamine reward system. And dopamine is another feel-good uh, chemical in your body. Right. What's your favorite? Like drop-dead favorite, what would be your last meal? You're on death row, let's say. Not a stretch. <laughs> well, what would be if you're really thinking about this? I like that. I really like um, the porterhouse steak at mm. Kevin Rathbun's. Oh, very specific. It, have you had it? No, dude. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. Or um, there is uh, there's this fried chicken at Watershed. Have you had that? I have never had their famous you fried go. chicken. You should go. Tuesday nights? Tuesday nights. And after six, if you make reservations, uh-huh. they can't guarantee the chicken. I know. I've been, they can't guarantee it's good or. No, they can't guarantee it'll be there. We can give you some chicken, but it might be <laughs> it's rotten. It's going to be pretty crappy. <laughs> yeah, I've heard about that for years. It's know. definitely worth it. Yeah. One of those two probably would be my last meal. I think my, I don't, I can't get super specific, but I think my favorite last meal would be like a big fried seafood platter. Oh, yeah? Yeah, with like fried shrimp yeah. and fish yeah. and clams and scallops. Yeah. And hush puppies and french fries and coleslaw. <laughs> oh, man, I'm Dude, dying. you're making me hungry. Tartar sauce. We should go to Long John Silver's after this. Long John Silver's, where the fish and the chicken are equally good. <laughs> and taste much the same. Yeah. I love Long John's, actually. So do I. So, Chuck, um, we've talked about the uh, reward system, right? Yes. And actually, there was a study in 2004 where people were jammed into the Wonder Machine yeah. and asked to think about food. This is actually the fMRI, which is the Wonder Wonder Machine. No, that's the Wonder Machine. Oh, I thought MRI is just an MRI. <laughs> it's it's worthless unless it's got that little F okay. attached to it. Gotcha. So they jammed some people in the Wonder Machine and say, think about food. And then the people started thinking about food. And like you said, the uh, caudate nucleus, the insula, uh-huh. and the hippocampus they all, all fire lit up. up. So it, it, it's very clear that like our reward system uh, is triggered yeah, yeah. when we think about food. So mm-hmm. that's, that explains part of food cravings. Uh, and we also said that it's linked to the same neural pathways as drugs right. and drug addiction, which also accounts for food addiction. Yeah, it's just a milder version. We also said that um, memories, like the, the sense memory, remember the chocolate? Ooh, chocolate makes me feel good when I eat it, so I want yeah, chocolate, yeah. right? Yeah, it reinforces all that. That's part of it, too. But... Um, are, where do the food cravings come from, I guess, is, is my point, if, well, I'm, if I'm to make one. <laughs> Josh, you know what? You know where this starts, dude? I just know. It, you do. I You're do. just being coy. It starts in the womb. <laughs> you pronounce the B? No, I just did that as a joke. Oh, okay. It, it actually does happen in the womb, and they found in studies, uh, in studies that in utero, a fetus 
can distinguish uh, between different flavors that are passed to them through the uh, amniotic fluid. Um, Isn't that remarkable? It is remarkable, Chuck. Um, and although I'm not entirely certain how they figured that out, um, there have been studies on um, post-birth children uh, and their taste for food. And a lot of it, apparently, it comes from uh, their time in the womb and whatever their mother's eating while they're nursing. Sure. Right? Yeah, yeah. They found that... Um, Mothers who ate lots of garlic or who ate a steady diet of garlic, their babies nursed longer. I know. Isn't that crazy? Um, possibly to try to figure out what the heck this taste is. Yeah, I love that. Because garlic's tough to miss. Right. It comes out everywhere. And I imagine garlicky breast milk would throw the baby for a loop to the point where they're like, what is this? Oh, I can tell you it throws you for a loop. Oh, it does? Yes. Okay. Uh, God, garlic's just the best in anything, though. It is. And really good for you, too. Have you ever had a uh, whole roasted garlic? Just oh, yeah. roasted, just squeezed out onto like a piece of bread, the whole thing, like the whole bulb. Yeah, dude, what you, I do it all the time. I cut off like mm-hmm. half of it and drizzle it with some olive oil and yeah. bake it in, in some foil. Uh, no, I just throw it, throw it on like a oven, uh, oh, yeah. like a cookie sheet. Wrap it in foil and twist the top. Okay, and just you don't even need the cookie sheet. You just throw it in there on the rack, oh, and it, it just it goes. It's awesome and great for you. Have you ever taken garlic pills? I, I don't like, like them. I'd rather eat like the garlic bulb. Well, I would too, but garlic pills are weird because you'll take like a garlic pill in the morning because mm-hmm. it's good for you. Mm-hmm. And at like 9.30 in the morning, you you feel like you're burping up like right. Italian food. And by afternoon, it's, really it's coming out of your breasts if you're nursing. Yeah, or your skin pores. Yes. Sweat. Yeah. I'm a, you know me with my sweat. <laughs> I do. You don't want to be around me on a hot day after I've had some lasagna, brother. Right, yeah. It's not good. Oh, I know it's not. I was getting hungry, and now I'm re- revolted all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. This just took a real nosedive, didn't it? Yeah. Um, so, Chuck, you were saying we're first exposed to taste in the womb. Um, and also, apparently, we carry these on. Right. Those memories uh, stick around, Yeah. those sensory memories. And that's uh, the beginnings of establishing our food relationship, basically. And it can also be established by the mother. Apparently, studies have shown that... Um, I should say at least one study has shown that uh, women who have um, more adventurous uh, diets have children who have more adventurous diets. Um, I think you could say, well, maybe that has to do with the way they're raised. Yeah, probably. But it could go either way. Yeah. Uh, You know, another thing I thought was cool, how you said it was kind of like the same thing as a drug addict seeking drugs. Uh Just like that, you need more and more to satisfy you. Like, So just like a crackhead might need more crack to get high as they progress in their drug career or hobby. Uh, you, If you eat chocolate, just that little bit of chocolate isn't going to do it if you keep eating. You're going to sure. need more and more to uh, satisfy you. Yeah. Pretty cool. It is, unless you have a chocolate addiction. Yeah, that's true. Or a crack addiction. Yeah. Um, so, Chuck, what do you do when you do have a chocolate addiction? You eat chocolate. You do. Um, oh, not me every personally? Time. No, no. Oh, okay. I thought you meant me. No, I'm saying, you know, you like anybody. Sure. You're not a chocolate addict. I know you're hard on yourself, but you're not. No, I like chocolate, but it gives me the heartburn, too, so it's the, kind of a fine line I have to walk. Um, Jerry thought that was funny for she some did, reason. Actually, she just <laughs> laughed. Uh, so they, they, they've, they've, this is something that uh, people have been paying attention to, luckily, uh, although they still haven't quite cracked the code. Uh, it turns out the body is a little wonky when it comes to food cravings. Um when you have a lot of fat tissue, yeah, this is weird to me. You emit a lot of leptin, uh-huh. which is the thing that lowers appetite, right? Suppresses right. appetite. But it's in fatty tissue, so the more fat you have, the more leptin you have. So that that should mean, strangely, uh, that the the fatter you are, the less you should eat. Not true. 
No. It's the opposite. Yeah. The, uh, for some reason, as the body mass index increases, mm-hmm. meaning you get heavier and, and more fat on you, um, you actually eat more. Right. Which doesn't seem odd, really, if you think about that, but what, you know, you're putting out more leptin. Yeah, and it, it, nothing we found, like, said why this happens. It's just, is it just one of those things in the human body that we can't account for? Do <laughs> you know another cool thing, Josh? What? That, uh, if you try to diet or quit eating a certain thing, like, let's say you're, you're a lady and you have, a, like, a big chocolate thing, the more you, if you say, I want to cut down on eating chocolate, mm-hmm. you're going to crave it more. They, well, did a, yeah, they did a study in 2007 and found 50% the, uh, more. 50% more. Yeah. If you're trying not to, you're going to crave it 50% more. Right. It's the imp of the perverse. Remember, we've talked about that. Uh-huh. The more you try to push a thought from your head, the more you're going to think about it. Because not yeah. only are you thinking about keeping it out of your head, it inevitably floods in yeah, and then yeah. you push it out. So really what you're doing is engaging on the cycle of um, constantly obsessing about this one thing. Let me Let me try something here. Okay. Josh, whatever you do for the next 10 seconds, do not think about a sloppy joe with a fish taco on it. All right. What's the first thing that just popped into your head? You want to know? <laughs> oh, no. What is it? Uh, Donald Duck. <laughs> really? Yeah. Is that your go-to? No. That's an odd go-to. No, it's not my go-to. I read an article on it, and, and somebody said, whatever you do um, you know, for the, the next sentence, don't think about Donald Duck. Okay. That was kind of my introduction to the imp of the perverse. Right. Uh, so that's why I thought of Donald Duck. I'll tell you what I didn't think of, and I think 10 seconds has passed. Uh-huh. I didn't think of a sloppy joe with a fish taco. No, I don't believe you. I think you thought of Donald Duck eating a sloppy joe with a fish taco. <laughs> Without pants. Happened. Right. That guy never wears <laughs> pants. Yeah, didn't he wear a diaper or something, or was that? Did you know? In, no. He just, that was just his duck bottom. Oh, okay. Um, he, uh, he was banned in Finland, I think, because he didn't wear pants. That's fins are crazy. Or they, they had to put pants on him, one of the two. <laughs> That's good stuff, Josh. I think people are learning a lot here. I think we have gotten really far off topic. I think so. So should we reel it in here? Yeah. Um, if you have a um, food addiction uh-huh. and you have food cravings, right? people who didn't deny themselves every food craving managed to lose the um, most weight. Yeah. They said the trick is to give into it occasionally to reward yourself, but to just keep that all in check, right? Yes. Isn't that how it works? Yeah. And you're big on the calorie restriction. So what do you think about that? Um, I've found that just not eating, I don't eat breakfast or lunch. Right. I just eat dinner. Sure. Um, and I found that after probably a week or two mm-hmm. of really just doing it hardcore, yeah, yeah. you just don't even think about it any longer. Huh. I'm, if I stop and think about it, like right now I'm hungry. Right. Because I stopped and thought about it, but what I, are you hungry for? I don't think about it. Uh, I think you know what I'm hungry for, Chuck. Yeah. Sloppy Joe with a fish taco. <laughs> That's right. Uh, should we talk about weird food cravings? Yeah. Like ladies when they're pregnant? Yes, which uh, I was interested to uh, read about this, actually, because I've always wondered, like, what gets somebody who, say, never liked cheese before to suddenly like cheese once she becomes pregnant or something? Right. Um, Well, it has a lot to do with the hormones that are going berserko when Mm -hmm. you get pregnant, right? Right. Especially estrogen. Yeah. And it also has to do with their sense of uh, taste and smell really become honed when they're pregnant. Right. So something like um, maybe really pungent, like coffee and cigarettes, is even more of a turnoff than usual, which is probably a good thing if you're pregnant. Right. Don't you think? Yeah. I think coffee and cigarettes is probably bad for a pregnant person, (laughs) a pregnant woman. 
And uh, the cravings focus on like really sweet and really salty, really spicy. It's kind of the extreme, it seems like. Right. So, Chuck, um, yes, pregnant women have strange food cravings, pickles and ice cream, whatever. That's the old joke, yeah. It, it is. And science has, hasn't really figured out exactly why. Right. Uh, but, yes, it probably does have to do with the hormonal surge. Sure. Um, there is – I used to work in a gas station up in Athens. And people really? – Yes. I did, too. Which one? Well, I worked at the Golden Pantry, so I – I didn't like pump gas, but I worked in the little food mart. I didn't pump gas. Yeah, same here. Okay. Um, I worked at the Magnolia Station on Atlanta oh, Highway. That's pretty funny. Yeah. We're both gas guys. Yeah. <laughs> huh, who knew? Um, and uh, we used to sell white dirt, and people came in and bought it by the bag full. I don't know what that means. It's white clay. Oh, okay. And they would eat it. Really? Yes. Is that what you sold it for, to consume? Yes. I don't even know what you're talking about. It's I'm, really weird. People will chew it and eat it and ingest it. And um, actually, pr- it was a real big hit among pregnant women, too. Well, I do know what you're talking about. Why? It's called pica. Uh, yes. And specifically in this case, eating dirt of any kind is called geophagia. Right. And yeah. there's also one called uh, pagophagia, which is eating ice. Yeah, which I've heard of before. Yeah. Um, apparently, people who have iron deficiencies, anemia, mm-hmm. um, eat ice a lot. Right. But you're not getting any iron for the ice or yeah, from the weird. ice. But they think that possibly um, there's uh, apparently um, discomfort in the tongue when you have an iron deficiency, uh, and the ice alleviates that, which okay. is why they crave it. That makes sense. Isn't, isn't that weird? Yeah. Well, pica, just specifically, I guess we should say, is craving a... Uh, or ingesting a non-food item, or I guess it's yeah. the craving, and then if you act on it, then you're you're carrying out the craving. Right, and actually, if you have a weird food craving, you should actually probably see a physician, yeah, because it could mean like an iron deficiency or some other problem with your your body. Right, unless you're pregnant, don't be alarmed if you're pregnant and you want to eat some dirt, because that's actually kind of common. About twenty percent of women actually feel this this way, mm-hmm. and fifty percent eat ice. And the other thing that I thought was weird was this geophagia you were talking about. Yeah. Is more common here in the South. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You don't find too many people who eat white clay up north. Why not? I I don't think there is white clay available up north. That's weird. Yeah. Well, that's food cravings. In a nutshell. (laughs) In a huge nutshell. On a manwich bun. Yeah. Thanks to Kristen Conger for writing a really good article for us to podcast on. So I just want to finish up by getting this really clear. You take a sloppy joe. And you take like just the corn tortilla fish taco that's that's open face, uh-huh. no, and you no, just no. put that on not top. Not open face. It's a taco, man. Well, it's not a taco until you hold it and roll it up. Right. You put it in, folded, rolled up, half over, uh-huh. doubled over, and then put the bun of the sloppy joe on top and go to town with the meat and everything. Yes. <sighs> just this is the weirdest thing I've ever heard. That's pica-esque. Well, if you want to know more about pica, food cravings, or anything your brain can come up with, you just type some words into the handy search bar at HowStuffWorks.com, and uh, you'll be taken care of straight away. And since I said the handy search bar at HowStuffWorks.com, that means it's time now for listener mail. Josh, I'm just going to call this uh, Henry Hill Exposed. Uh, Remember we did our podcast recently on the Witness uh, Protection Program? Yes. We talked about famous gangster Henry Hill. Yes. Basis of the film uh, Goodfellas. And My Blue Heaven. And My Blue Heaven. And we had a guy wrote in that has met Henry Hill. And here's what he has to say. Huh. And I think he's from England because of all the weird things he said. Did he say cheers at the bottom? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, I've met Henry Hill, an ex-entrepreneur, and that's in quotes. I don't know what that's supposed to mean. (laughs) And myself brought him over to England... 
to do an after-dinner gentleman's evening type speech. I don't know what that is either. Uh, he was also on the local TV promoting a book, I think. He was an absolute nightmare. He decided that the witness protection program was not for him, probably because he'd been kicked out of it a half a dozen times, and he was going to travel far and wide to help kids from a life of crime. Not bad. Noble. Uh, the problem was, when you have a world-famous gangster doing an after-dinner speech, the paying guests don't want to hear him telling them to stay out of trouble and behave. They want to hear him talk about Jimmy the Gent and the Lufthansa heist. Sure. Naturally. Uh, his minder was his uh, UK agent, and it was the first time they'd ever uh, met in person. We had a VIP dinner uh, uh, drink afterward with a special drink in a posh club in Liverpool, and uh, Henry decided he kept uh, to keep wandering off trying to chat up the girls. Sadly, he'd also been a little too keen on this imported product and could hardly string two words together. So it sounds like he got bombed and was hitting on chicks. Oh, yeah. That's the American translation. <laughs> keen. Keen. Who says that? Uh, still, for someone who's killed as many people as he has, he was a nice bloke. And despite this sounding wrong, an example of the maxim that you should never meet your heroes. Not that he was my hero, but I couldn't think of another way to put it. Uh, lastly, he had to take him to dinner in a cab, and we did a quick tour of the Yellow Submarine, the Cavern Club, and other famous Beatles landmarks. And he said that he would like to sing on stage at the Cavern Club. And when I chuckled, thinking he was joking, guess what? He did the, you think I'm funny, gag. Oh, yeah? He did that to him. Nice. And he said it was the scariest thing he'd ever seen. <laughs> uh, cheers, chaps. Jez, just in case we weren't sure he was from England. Cheers, chaps. Chaps, yeah. From Jez. Cheers to you, Jez. So Thank thanks, you for Jez. that story. That's pretty awesome, actually. It kind of went back and forth. Like, uh, I would have not liked to have hung out with Henry Hill. I right. would have loved to have hung out with Henry Hill. That happened like five times. Sure. I feel like I'm about to vomit. <laughs> okay. Well, if you have a cool story about Henry Hill or any other former gangster, celebrity, unicorn, you name it, send it in an email to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Want more How Stuff Works? Check out our blogs on the howstuffworks.com homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Hey, everybody. I want to talk to you for a second here about Canva, specifically Canva presentations that are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation. So start designing today at Canva.com. Design for work. Just go to Canva, C-A-N-V-A dot com. In business, first impressions are everything. And that's why every business owner needs to know about Ruby. Ruby is the virtual receptionist company who screens, transfers, and takes messages 24-7, all while making your customers feel special. You definitely don't want to hire a subpar front desk person. And with Ruby, they engage with your callers in a conversational way, just like your best employee would. Never miss another customer call again. This year, make your business the best it can be. Visit ruby.com today or just call them at 844-900-RUBY.